Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Monday is upon us, a warm one at that, but cooler weather and... Huh, no surprise, some rain is talked about in the forecast. We're going to look at the markets as what it's been dealing with, with the weather, with the heat. Uh, corn, we saw some higher numbers on their trade for a Monday. Soybeans and wheat, not as pretty of a picture unless you're looking at the Minneapolis market. Heather Ramsey is going to join us today from the ARC group and lots of things to look at. And I think, first of all, let's talk about funds liquidating. Uh, you talked about some liquidation overnight and the liquidation continued during the day trade today. Yes, it did. And liquidation's kind of been the theme for the funds for the last, oh, three or four, maybe even five trading sessions that we've had here. Um, I attribute a lot of last week's gains to fund movement, uh, liquidating, and that's what we see again today overnight. Um, overnight, we actually put in some highs on uh, December corn. Uh, it's seen three, let me look, 348 and a half, actually, being the high. That's the highest number we've seen in several months here. And a lot of that, again, is, is thanks to the funds getting after it and liquidating some of those positions. There's estimates out there that maybe uh, buying back somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, slightly above 4,000 contracts today on corn. So I always use that as, as like it's great to see funds liquidating, but use some perspective, right? If they're moving 4,000 contracts, that's a lot of contracts. And we're only seeing the market close up about two, maybe two and a quarter in some cases. Um, it feels maybe like they're slowing down momentum-wise a little bit here, just kind of um, taking little little hits at it here and there to get out of these positions. No real big one-shot wonder liquidation of volume. So definitely have to keep an eye on that um, and what they're doing. Corn, obviously, they're buying their short positions back. Beans are continuing to be sellers for funds. Um, and so we'll have to see kind of where they choose to build their positions and if they choose to take any of those positions out to the deferred months as we get closer to um, liquidation on this or excuse me, expiration on this July board. Does it surprise you how this liquidation took place in the overnight and then into the day trade? You know, given what they've done for the last week, no. It seems like they've consistently taken a small swing at it, just very consistently. So there hasn't been that flash in the pan action like we saw last year. Last year, you know, you come in one day and it's like 10,000 contracts have traded and you're like, oh my gosh, this is nuts. Whereas we've just consistently taken between two and 4,000 contracts off. That's still a big number. But where they've done it consistently day after day for about the last four or five trading sessions, I'm really not su surprised to see them come in. I think they were trying to, you know, clean up some positions here before we, we have a USDA report later this week. We've got, you know, good crop ratings probably going to hit the fan um, this afternoon. And, you know, then we're getting, what, two and a half, three weeks away from a July expiration. So I'm not surprised by this at all. Typically, uh, we see fund movement this time frame in June. We also happen to just, you know, magically align fund movement during this time frame in June with most often seen our highs for the crop year during this time frame in June. So we, you know, we may not be seeing highs for the crop. I'm not, can't predict that obviously, but if this is where we see our, our big recovery, then everyone kind of needs to be aware and be awake to what's happening with funds and with the market situation right now. So how long do you think we're going to see this buy corn, sell bean type of feel in the market? You know, that's really hard to tell. Um, I think a lot of what they're doing right now is also based on these weather forecasts and models we're seeing. 
And I'm sure you see as many weather updates as I do, Susan, but it's like twice a day, three times a week, we get a weather update. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, I can't, I can't figure out what I'm doing day to day, let alone keep track of what the weather has changed, <laughs> forecast has changed to, you know. Um, so a lot of what the funds are doing right now is trying to digest every single weather update we get to. So as long as we stay um, in a weather market, in a weather game where we're concerned with what do the next seven to 10 days look like, they will probably stay pretty active. But once we get into a, a spot where we feel like, hey, corn's in the ground, corn is up, it's emerged, it's looking good, and we don't have any real weather threats, then I would expect that the funds uh, probably slow down um, on anything that would react positively to our markets. Well, we're kind of in that, as you were hinting, this this weather type of market right now. We know that with the landfall and the and the moisture coming out of the Gulf of Mexico, that means we're going to get moisture here, and it's yeah. bringing some significant rainfall to some folks. Yes, this year has definitely been a balancing act, and I don't know that we're actually doing a good job balancing. It seems like we've got too much in some parts of the na- of our country, we've got not enough in others. I've heard a lot of comments, uh, guys very much being reminded of what it felt like last year to have these flooded fields and things like that. I will say in general, most everyone is getting the moisture they need and not getting too much. We have pockets where it's become a problem, but nothing major right now. And so hopefully it stays that way. Do you think those pockets, and I'm specifically looking at what we're seeing in the areas of Texas and southwest Kansas as their winter wheat harvest goes along the way, do you think that is playing in a little bit of a factor into the way we see these markets trade? You know, I think a little bit. It's been hit and miss in the wheat market. It seems like one week we will trade a lot of premium and the next week, oh, it's not as bad as we thought. Or or we're getting where wheat is such a global, I mean, it is a very sensitive global supply. If we're trading a premium one week because it's dry and some of our US next week comes in and then we're seeing in Europe, oh, but no, we're fine over here and we're gonna put in a surplus. So then the next week we'll trade back lower. It's been very seesaw-ish uh, for wheat because we're trading wheat or weather globally for wheat um, when we're growing you know, a crop in multiple locations versus in the corn and the soy side of things, we're not seeing that kind of seesaw back and forth where, oh, the U.S. is rough, but the EU is good. But now we're bad again. You know, we don't see that seesaw effect in, in corn and soy so much. Well, folks, stick around. We've got more coming up on this Monday. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation with Heather Ramsey. As we went to break, we were talking weather. Of course, we know that I think that is the water cooler comment wherever you go, Heather, and you talk to producers. They want to know. So so how bad or how good are things in the eastern Corn Belt? Is Ohio having problems? What's happening in South Dakota? But really, uh, your statement that you made before we even started this is, unfortunately, we need the problems to be able to adjust the markets. But we must live in the reality that we're in, that there isn't a lot of problems out there right now. Yeah, it's we've got these pockets all over the area right now. And um, my clients all know I'm from Illinois originally, so I check in regularly over there. And like, yes, there's definitely a pocket there that's an issue. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not the whole state. And at this point, if we're looking at something that's going to save our markets from a supply side, it's got to be a whole state somewhere, you know, and that's unfortunate. There's a lot of other factors weighing on it besides this weather that just go to show that 
I mean, we've got a lot of supply, both in the U.S. and globally. And so, like, yes, to the comment we had earlier off air is that it's one thing to be hopeful and optimistic, but we also have to live in the reality of what we've been given and then try to make the best decisions we can make based on those situations. So we're going to have a couple of reports coming this week. Um, there's some market bias out there around uh, the CONAB report that comes out tomorrow morning. So that's Brazil's information. They're into their winter corn crop, which is their second crop. So they're about to, oh, they're, they're early on in harvest right now. They're getting towards the middle part. But um, it looks like the main growing area down there, Mato Grosso, which is basically like the Illinois and Iowa of Brazil, you know, it's, it's the top dog down there. They're coming in with somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20% higher yields than what was expected um, on the corn side. We already know their bean production was really, really good this year. Um, there is a state down there that is having issues, but again, their losses are going to be more than offset by Mato Grosso's gains. So most likely that report tomorrow comes out and it's not favorable for us. Um, and then Thursday is another USDA supply and demand report. You know, it's hard to tell what the USDA is going to do, right, Susan? I exactly. Mean, <laughs> if we could predict that, by golly, we would not be doing this. So um, trying to outguess them is just not even possible most times. Most of the industry seems to think they'll leave most everything alone, um, not make any major changes. We could see um, old crop supply go up a little bit here on corn. Probably not a lot of changes to beans. But either way, these are reports that um, tend to be pretty important when we start talking about the main report of June, which is the end of the month. That is our, you know, final acreage number that they're going to use that was planted acres and then all of that supply and demand and how it it fills into the USDA report. So these will weigh slightly on the markets, but really they'll be more important when the USDA starts releasing those numbers the end of June. And so... You know, this is a time of year where we see it very, very necessary to get protection, additional protection on for clients. Obviously, we want to leave, you know, upside open so that we've all got hope and can live on hope that maybe something happens. But should that hope not pan out, you, you, you have to be protected um, going into this this next, you know, month to two month window for sure. You know, on the flip side of this, I mean, we closely watch what's been happening in Brazil and just South America as a whole. They're doing the exact same thing to us. And they watch those Monday crop progress reports Mm -hmm. and to see the numbers. And it sounds like in the feel of this report for the later today could be some positives. Yeah. I mean, we, for all, everything I've read, uh, we should be sitting at one of the highest rated crops for this time of year in probably the last five to eight years yeah it's been a while since we've been this good this early so um and as much as it's like well there goes our chance at fixing anything with a problem right at the same time it's really good and it's really good to let everyone else know that like hey we're still here we're still growing a really good crop and by gosh you know you should you know, be aware of that too from a global standpoint as well. So, yeah. Well, well speaking of crops, uh, get me thinking corn here before we wrap up. The ethanol margins have continued to remain on the stable side, and it's kind of nice to have that normalcy feel coming back to this trade. I tell you what, ethanol markets in Nebraska um, have put in one of the most amazing rebounds as far as uh, front end basis purchases go. Uh, when you look at when this thing broke loose, we had ethanol basis just back off considerably to, you know, 25, 30 under, 35 under actually in one case. 
and we're selling zero to five under today. You know, if guys uh, are paying attention to things, easily there's a 30 cent swing on basis. Plus, we've had this uh, about a 30 cent recovery from the bottom on the July board. Plus, you figure you go sell cash today and you've got your CFAP payment coming. Like, you know what? That's 360 corn equivalent. Sounds great, Heather. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Um, I can be reached here at the office anytime. It's 402-484-7474. I'm extension 125. If you happen to be in Bruning, just swing by and say hello. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss. They're not suitable for all investors. That is a Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.